Welcome to episode 576 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And I remember the favorite part when I have it written out in front of me, Josh. It helps, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. I was winging it last week when we did our video episode. And if you haven't caught that already, you may want to watch episode 575 instead of just listening to it because we did an actual sit down, kind of had a set and everything. It was uh, very much rigged up in the corner of your great room. But it yep. was it was fun. It's nice to do these real life next to each other instead of zoomed next to each other. <laughs> right, right, exactly. All right, well, let's get into this. We've got one piece of listener feedback. This is, sorry, Anthony, this is from, I don't know, it might have been November. I'm not sure. It's been a while. But uh, I'll read this because it's primarily a question for Richard. Anthony says, on a recent recent show, you mentioned how the Chromecast was getting the ability to host multiple profiles. On my main Chromecast, with just a few additional apps installed, I've had issues running out of memory. Have you had similar issues? And do you anticipate multiple profiles exacerbating the problem? Hmm, really good question. So, Tony, I don't know the answer to this question. But I do know that I have seen my Chromecast feeling really sluggish lately. And I don't know if that's the same thing. I have maybe over a dozen apps installed. And, well, Josh, we were using it last week. And there were definitely times when it, it was lagging. And I don't understand why that is. I don't have that problem with the one that I have at home. This is the one that I travel with that is exhibiting this problem. Hmm. And maybe it is because since I travel, I put these other things on it, like an AirPlay app and some other stuff. And maybe that's causing problems. Now I haven't ever seen a message that says that I'm running out of memory, but it is certainly behaving as if I am running low on memory. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't have a Chromecast, so I, I can't really give you any answer to that part of it either. Yeah, think, you still have to date the most powerful version of Google TV. <laughs> right. My six or seven year old NVIDIA Shield TV. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is super powerful and doesn't ever have any issues like that, but it shouldn't because it was almost or about four times the cost of a Chromecast <laughs> with Google TV. <laughs> True. But to to get to his question of will it be worse uh, in terms of memory consumption with multiple profiles, that's a good question. I, I, I think it really comes down to when you switch profiles, does it completely like log the one profile off, close everything, and then switch a profile? If it does that, it could actually be better. Because if it's running like crap, maybe you just switch profiles. It's sort of like the equivalent of doing a reset. But I I don't have an answer for you in, until it actually happens and then Richard can tell us. And I would also hope that a lot of that profile stuff is up on the cloud. So 
like you give a good example of shutting down apps and stuff like that. But in terms of like, if you were to create, say, let's for argument's sake, said you had, say you had eight kids and you created a profile for all eight of those kids, they're all up on the cloud. And so in theory, I don't think it should impact it. But like you said, if they actually have apps kind of loaded and they're not unloading them as you switch between profiles, that could become a problem. Right. I don't believe that Tony has eight kids. I'm just, that was a, you know, ridiculous hypothetical. Right. <laughs> but like a, a Windows PC, you can have multiple users logged in at the same time. And they're, I mean, not obviously using the computer at the same time, but I can switch accounts to like my kids account and all of my stuff will keep running. It, it doesn't like log me out and shut everything down. It just switches profiles. And if it worked mm. like that, that would probably be really not good on a Chromecast. Right, right. Now, John in the chat is saying it wasn't the latest, the latest update to Chromecast supposed to help with that. So maybe that is something that they are addressing. And that's just not something that Tony's seen yet or this message is so old that it's not an issue anymore that's that that would be the ideal situation and, and it's possible <laughs> we held on this for so long that the problem went away and maybe we should start doing that with all questions that people write in <laughs> with problems and that's how we'll fix them for them <laughs> it's probably not a good way to encourage feedback no, really i don't think so <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for our listener feedback this week. If you'd like to send us some in the future, our email address is entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com. The rest of our contact information, well, some of it will be at the end of the show. The rest is in the show notes over at www.thedigitalmediazone.com. All right. So let's get into the news. I, going into this week, was a little bit you know, nervous that we would have anything at all to talk about other than a little bit of cleanup from, from CES, but there's a little bit of stuff here. So uh, we will jump right into the video news first, like we always do. And that is some news from Roku. Uh, this is one, Richard, I'm going to be asking if you've used this yet, because I don't have a Roku, at least not one that's hooked up. We do have one somewhere in one of those bins behind me somewhere. But Roku has uh, a new app that they've rolled out, or or maybe it's more of an update to an app, but it is called the Live TV Zone, and it gives you what you would expect out of a Live TV Zone, all of your Live TV stuff. And you might be thinking, but I don't have Live TV. I don't pay for one of these fancy live streaming services, and I surely don't have cable, and it couldn't possibly interact with that, right? Well, you'd be right on that last part there. So for starters, this has content for everybody because Roku has over 200 channels of their own free, they call it, live TV streaming. Now, whether that's actually like, I don't, I don't know, I, like it's just linear program streams, right? So that's all it is. They've got 200 channels of their own. Although it's worth mentioning that you and I were pretty hooked on the This Old House channel that we found on the Samsung TV down at my vacation house. That was on Samsung TV? That was on Samsung TV. I thought that was just on 
your your cable. Nope, that was free streaming. Well, now I feel like I need to go take a shower. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't. I don't normally like those services, but right? there were, so there's it some does content. explain why the ad situation was so terrible. Yeah, the, the ad situation was awful. But yeah, but 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 my point being that there is good content, but you have to dig for it. There are 200 channels. There may be three you're interested in. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there, there's more to this. It's not just Roku's live stuff. Um, that that might not even warrant a news story for me on the show. It, it's better than that because if you are paying for one of those other streaming live TV services like YouTube TV, Sling, Hulu with live TV, Fubo TV, or Philo, all of those are supported here. And when we say supported, what you're getting is a traditional TV grid guide. You know, the the guide style that we all know and love and that we're always complaining about all of these other services not having. They have one of these, which kind of makes me assume that they're paying TiVo some money for their patents and all that crap. Uh, remember patents. We'll talk more about those later in the show. Uh, but overall, this looks pretty decent. My only question, and it's my question since I haven't been able to actually use this, is, is it customizable at all? Because if you're paying for one of these other live TV services, especially some of the bigger ones like YouTube TV and, and Hulu with live TV, those have tons of channels. Roku already has over 200 channels. I would really like to be able to customize that so that I can, at the very least, uh, go through and pick a bunch of favorite channels and then filter the grid guide down to just my favorites or right. or complete customization where I can just pick all the time, like never show these channels. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, the... <laughs> I think it's funny, and this is one of those areas where I've staunchly insisted that streaming services with linear content should stop trying to reinvent the guide and give in to the guide. That it's something that people understand, it's something that people like, and the winner is the solution that comes out with a good way of accessing your linear content in addition to the on-demand content. And this is a great way of handling that. But I agree with you, it needs to be customizable. And I hope that that either it is or we get to a point that it is. Now, I have not tested this at all, although that might surprise people if they were to look in my trash can over the last couple of weeks, because I think I have thrown out no less than five different Roku device boxes <laughs> that I have saved over the years because for some reason I keep the boxes for every device I buy and I am purging before this next move. But I don't use Roku as a regular player. I only have it so that I can occasionally test stuff there. And this isn't something that I have a service that I can test on it. Right. Right. Did you used to use Roku as your travel device? No, actually. Um, I used to use <laughs> I used to use a Fire TV as my travel device mm -hmm. before I got the Google TV, and I kind of fell in love with the Chromecast Google TV experience. Right. Right. 
Okay, well let's uh, let's jump over to YouTube TV. This is this is a quick one uh, from uh, Cord Cutters News. They reporting that YouTube TV is the first provider of all of them to announce that they're going to be streaming the Olympics, the Winter 2022 Olympics in 4K. Now, and you may ask, but wait a minute, why wouldn't NBC's own service? be doing it. And we talked about that. They're not. Peacock is not providing it in 4K. Or at right? least they haven't announced that they are. Okay. Because I believe that pretty much every service, maybe even Peacock, did the Summer Olympics in 4K. But as of yet, we don't know. Like As, as far as I remember, the information that we know so far that it is not confirmed that it's going to be in 4K. Right, yeah. Uh, YouTube TV is the only one to announce this so far. But we've got a couple of weeks. The The Winter Olympics start February 3rd. So that's almost exactly three weeks from now. So that's plenty of time. Plenty of time. That's, uh, that's my move-in week. Let me tell you, that week is coming fast. You're not going to get to watch much Olympics if that's your move-in week. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I'm going to have to be watching it on I don't know, tablet or something. I guess I need to figure out when the schedule is for ice hockey. Cause that's, I mean, that's primarily all I care about. Yeah. Pretty much all I watch is skating and hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Although some of the skiing stuff is kind of cool and snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to some audio news. First up Spotify. This is, this is kind of a short story. This is like, this kind of felt like a lot of, news sites out there like doing the equivalent of writing a diss track uh basically just pointing out hey guys it's january of 2022 and about a year ago spotify said hey everybody we're totally working on a a cd quality audio streaming service that we're going to call it spotify hi-fi and it's going to launch sometime this year and pretty much all of the news sites out there said yeah, uh, Spotify, you didn't launch it. Where is it? So, yeah, it, it's not out, uh, unfortunately. I, I, I think I would like it. Um, and it it seems like sites like Engadget and stuff posting about this might have actually caused Spotify to respond because Spotify did eventually post something in their own forums that said, yes, this is important to us. We're totally working on this and we promise it's coming in the future. And they, this time around, didn't give anything more specific than just in the future. So, yeah. And re- remember, it. this is something that happened in response to Apple saying, hey, everybody, we have high fidelity on a ton of music that you already pay for now and it's not going to cost you anything. And Amazon and Spotify scrambled. To respond, Amazon, as far as I know, got theirs out, mm-hmm. but Spotify has not yet. Correct. Yeah, Amazon's is out. Um, and then the the really nice thing about all of these services scrambling to do it is it got cheaper. Title lowered their prices, and when Amazon and Apple rolled this out on their own services, they didn't charge extra for it. So that's awesome. And I'm really yep. hoping, especially as a Spotify subscriber. That Spotify also will not be charging extra for this, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. So, Richard, I have a feeling this is the one that's going to get you ranting the most. Google Home speakers, 
being impacted by a lawsuit filed by Sonos that's kind of wrapping up finally. The U.S. International Trade Commission ruled that Google was infringing on Sonos's patents. And what that means is that Google has to make some changes to how they're allowing you to do multi-room audio through your various Google slash Nest speakers. And the two main changes aren't really that big of a deal, despite what some of the other websites' headlines might have led you to believe. Basically, the biggest one is you will no longer be able to control the volume of all of the speakers in a speaker group at the same time. Which I think is a really nice feature that these services offer. If you're going to group a bunch of speakers together, it's absurd to think that you don't want to adjust them together at some point. Yeah, I I find that I typically, when I've done this in the past, I have individually set volumes to start. But then if someone calls you, someone swings by the right. house or whatever, right. you want to lower all of them at once in a hurry. Yep. So that's that's the primary use case. And you're not going to be able to do that anymore. You're going to have to, you know, you can still use your voice to control these things. So you can say, you know, set this speaker's volume to two and whatever, but you'd have to do it for every single one or pull out the app and adjust every single speaker individually, which if you're trying to do all of them is going to be a pain for sure. And it's going to be even more burdensome using your phone because apparently Sonos also had a patent for controlling the speaker volume of a smart connected speaker with the volume rocker on your phone. So you're no longer going to be able to do that through the Google Home app either. Richard, go. Go go into rant mode. I know you're you're bursting at the seams here. Yeah, there's there's one other thing, if I remember correctly, I believe that there's also something that they're doing in terms of provisioning that makes it easier to bring a speaker on to the network that they're also getting dinged on. Um, in any event, the the rocker thing is what kills me because they're taking advantage of a feature that somehow is possible on your phone. Your The phone manufacturers have made it possible to adjust your system's volume from their rocker. And yet some other company that's also doing that is somehow infringing. Now, maybe they looked at the code and maybe the code is exactly the same, but you're using an SDK, presumably. So how many different ways can you possibly do this? This is, to me, this is getting to the point where, and I I ranted about this on Twitter, this is getting to the point where, you know, what if Ford had said, no, no, you can't put a steering wheel in your car to move from one side of the road to the other. No, you can't do that. We have the rights to that. And there are lots of other examples of things that that are used universally and expected to work in a universal way. And since everybody's using the same SDKs to code to these devices, this is just this to me, this just is such an overreach. And I don't understand how stuff like this sticks. I just don't get it. And maybe I don't understand the nuance of the technology versus the law here, 
But this just, as a consumer, this just seems stupid. It sure does. It sure does. So the other last little tidbit here is Google slash Nest is not the only company that makes speakers that work with Google's audio technology. There are third-party companies that make them. I've got a couple of JBL speakers that have this technology built in. And for for those speakers to continue to work in speaker groups like this, they're going to need firmware updates. So if you've got any of those types of speakers, you're going to need to look to see how that update process works for them. Hopefully it's all automatic and it's just going to work for you. But I also don't know if that means that you're going to have to reset up the speaker groups. I've, I've, I have a couple of JBL speakers, but I don't currently have them on my Google network right now. So I can't test the before and after of this right now, unfortunately. So something to look for if you've got one of those third-party speakers with the, the Google Audio stuff built in. Now, I, th- I think we mentioned, yeah, we, we mentioned at the top of the show that we like to do a video show of this. We record it live. It doesn't just make it fun for us to have you around and, and fun for you to watch it later. It also allows you to be a part of the show. And Dan is in the chat with us right now. I mean, there's a few people in the chat, but Dan is in the chat and he actually did a little work for us. We were just wondering if you can customize that Roku live TV guide. Dan's got a Roku. He just told us, yes, you can. You can do the option of favoriting channels and you can hide the channels that you want. Awesome. This is sounding like an even better solution from Roku. That's great. Thanks, Dan. Okay, so let's move on to the gaming segment. And Richard, don't worry. Don't rush off. Only one gaming story this week. Just one. <laughs> yeah. And it's barely even gaming. We're, we're, I, I moved this into gaming because it seemed the most appropriate there. We're actually talking about computer monitors. But mm-hmm. really, computer monitors that are targeted at gamers. So gamers, it works. Right. It works. So we talked about some of these last week, but not all of them. The first one, of course, uh, that that came out of CES is that LG announced that they are expanding their offerings. Uh, you know, a- adding smaller and bigger sizes for their OLED TVs, and this is important for a lot of uh, gamers and you know, PC users who really wanted an OLED as a computer monitor, they announced that they're going to be shipping a 42-inch OLED. And this is the C2 OLED. So that's HDMI 2.1, 4K at 120 hertz, variable refresh rate, auto low latency, all of that stuff that gamers are looking for, for sure. So that's coming this year. Asus also announced that they're going to have a 42-inch OLED gaming monitor, which we suspect is probably using LG's panel, but probably just looks super gamer-styled. I don't know that it's going to have much else to differentiate it from LG other than, you know, different stand and things like that. Alienware probably, I think to me, as potentially the most interesting solution here, they announced a 34-inch Quantum Dot OLED display. Quantum Dot OLED is the thing that I was most excited about at CES this year. We talked about it last week is uh, because Sony announced that they're going to be releasing two Quantum Dot OLED TVs this year, a 55- and a 65-inch TV 
Alienware now announcing a 34-inch monitor using the same technology, probably also from from Samsung Display, uh, get, get, get as the the source of that panel. And then the other interesting thing with this Alienware monitor, they're so convinced that Quantum Dot OLED means that you're not going to have to worry about burning, which is the biggest concern when it comes to using an OLED. As your computer monitor, you don't want your start your start menu, your system tray, the clock down in the corner, all of that sort of stuff to get burnt into the screen on an OLED. Alienware is not concerned. This monitor is going to come with a three-year premium warranty that covers burn-in. And I got to think that if they were at all concerned about burn-in with these, they would not include that in the warranty. <laughs> Yeah, this is impressive, but I it also suggests to me that their testing indicated that uh, burn-in occurs somewhere between three and four years. That that's also a possibility, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So the the other display that we did talk about a little bit last week during our big CES recap was the Samsung Odyssey Arc. So many people seem excited about this. I'm not, I don't understand them, but so many people are, so it's worth mentioning again. It's a 55-inch TV, essentially, because that's what we're used to seeing in that size. A 55-inch TV that is ridiculously curved. If you understand the number system for curved, it is a 1,000R screen. I don't understand those numbers, but if you look at the picture, it is super-duper curved. And the stand that it's on allows you to rotate the screen so that you can turn it 90 degrees and make a 55-inch super-curved portrait orientation screen so that the TV is basically above you. I don't understand why I want half of my screen above me. It, it seems like a novelty. but Yeah, I think it is a novelty, but I think it has uh, some interesting potential. Now, last year, I forget who it was, one of the manufacturers was heavily promoting their TV that would rotate. Their TV that would rotate to allow you to watch things like TikTok videos and whatever that stupid service was that didn't last and ended up on Hulu. Quibi. Quibi, there you go. And I think that that doesn't make a lot of sense. But this, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of those motorcycle games and those driver games mm. that you would go to in an arcade where you were encompassed by this vertical monitor. So what I what or enveloped is probably the better word for it. What I want to see is what do gaming manufacturers do here? Does anyone come out with some sort of seriously experiential game that takes advantage of that vertical format in a way that really shows off how it could be beneficial for gaming. I can't imagine any developer putting the resources into doing that. I think the only way that happens is if Samsung, is that pays Samsung them <laughs> invests. Yes. Is that Samsung invests in having a game house do that for them. And, and that's how you make this more successful, right? Is to show how, this is such a good thing instead of just, you know, relying on the hype. Yeah. And and Sharp Dressed Penguin points out in in the live chat that it would be really amazing for flight sims. 
And it kind of would be because, yeah, in flight sims, you do generally want to be able to look above and below you. Sure. But now that you've rotated the screen, it's also far narrower. And Mm -hmm. I like to be able to look to the left and the right when I'm playing a flight sim, too. So I think this would be cool for flight sims if you had three of these. But Okay, but you're into driving games. Yeah. Don't you see how this could be cool in a driving game? Yes. In a landscape orientation, this would be great in a driving game. Yes. If you mean the driving in game a, could accommodate. You mean in a portrait orientation? No, landscape, so that it's wide instead of tall. I don't need to look no, up I'm, in a driving game. Yeah, but it, it's it's not so much as looking up as, like, it could be in front, the center is in front of you, and you see road in front of you, perhaps more so than you would Otherwise, maybe you see more of your vehicle. Maybe you see your actual cockpit and they can spend more, uh, like they can give more real estate to that. I just, I think that it could do some really cool stuff with this. I'm all in favor of curved screens in landscape orientation. It makes sense there. Hmm. Curved screen in portrait. No, thanks. I'll pass. I'm not the gamer and I'm excited about this. Cool. You can buy one. I'm not going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to buy one. All right, the last little bit of of gaming monitor news, it, it, it's really from a bunch of manufacturers, but NVIDIA made a larger announcement for a bunch of them, really, to say that the the esports community is is now kind of moving away from using full HD 1080p screens to QHD screens, so 1440p, uh, because they can finally get ridiculously high refresh rates. So... NVIDIA announced a bunch of monitors that were QHD with refresh rates over 300 hertz, some of them as high as 360 hertz. And then in the case where you really just need it to be absolutely as fast as humanly possible, like for your main super competitive game, some of them will even allow you, like say say it's a 27-inch QHD display, will allow you to actually run it in, in 1080p without stretching it, because stretching it makes it look worse in some cases. So it would effectively just not use some of the pixels around the edges of your screen, and you would effectively have like a 25-inch full HD screen when you want 1080p, or a 27-inch QHD screen when you are playing a game or just doing regular work on your computer uh, and don't need quite as high of a refresh rate. So that's kind of cool. I mean, that's, that's really only for like the super hardcore esports, like really competitive gamer types that need that high of a refresh rate. Most, mm-hmm. most of your like AAA games and stuff like that. You know, if, if you're looking to play God of war that just came out on PC, you're, you probably don't have a computer that can run God of war in QHD at 360 hertz. Just guessing. Not on ultimate settings, at least. So so this is definitely more for those those competitive esports games that are designed for lower res displays so that you can crank that that refresh rate as fast as humanly possible. All right. So that's it for our gaming news. That's really it for for all of our news. So Richard, let's get into what's going on in our entertainment centers. First thing has to do once again with my move. And I've talked a couple times now about how I'm purging. We are getting rid of stuff so that we move less. 
You just had literally a dumpster taken away today and a new one delivered. (laughs) We are getting rid of stuff. And among the stuff are crates of all these old video and audio things that I have that I've never gotten rid of, even though I haven't used them for, in some cases, over a decade. I threw out, this was a sad moment, I threw out my wireless media center keyboard. Oh, man. This weekend. That's like a vintage antique belonged in a museum and you threw it in the trash. I did. I threw out multiple Xbox, not Xbox, sorry, multiple um, green button remotes that were designed specifically for Media Center. You could have sold those. I I found, (laughs) yeah, I've been saying I'm going to sell this stuff for years and I haven't. So it's just getting, it's going, it's getting gone. Did you, did you have any of the Media Center remotes that had the, uh, two power buttons with the programmable volume buttons because those are the super rare and and really cool ones. Yeah, I don't know if I did. I, I have no idea. They're all gone now, so it doesn't matter. So sad. I it, it kind of is. I I found my Xbox Media Center remote, the white one with the with the like the yeah yeah that was kind of ugly, but it was a good remote. It was. That's going away. So all of this stuff, like I said, boxes that Roku's came in, boxes that Amazon Fire TVs came in. For some reason, I've saved the box of every Apple device I've ever had, largely because they're just so cool. The boxes themselves are just so cool. And I'm largely getting rid of everything for things that I don't have anymore, (laughs) except the iPhone boxes. I can't bring myself to get rid of the iPhone boxes. I have every iPhone box for every iPhone I have ever had, which is pretty much one of every series except for the year they came out with the 8 and the 10 in the same year. I didn't get one that year. Why? What are you doing with these boxes? You- I'm, I'm, I'm creating a collection. Are you going to put them on display? Maybe. No, you're not. <laughs> Maybe I will. <laughs> It's my collection. I doubt it. Anyway, I am getting rid of lots and lots of stuff. And it's 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 fun, but it's also hard to do. It's hard to part with these things. All right. What's been going on in my entertainment center? Well, I'm in the process of slowly dismantling the entertainment center. And by next week, the server will be gone. So I'm watching a lot of streaming stuff. I have been uh, watching the new season of The Amazing Race which I'm really happy has started up again. I was kind of surprised. Apparently, they recorded a couple episodes before all of this hit, and then a couple episodes for the season after it hit, probably in that middle period where we thought, yeah, it's okay to get back to life now. And it didn't last that long, but they managed to get enough done that they finished an ep- a season. So I'll be looking forward to see how they did that. This Is Us has started, the new season of that, and I watched both episodes that are out so far of that last night, actually. Watched the episodes of Disney Insider that I hadn't seen yet, so I'm caught up on that. And then, for some reason, last night, Edward and I decided to watch the last two episodes of Schitt's Creek, 
we loved this series so much and it just culminates so nicely. We're like, yeah, let's just, let's watch those again. They're fun. They're, they're quick and lighthearted. So we did that last night while we were eating dinner. See, you could, you could then, have called up Jen and, and finally done one of those watch together things. I, I grew, uh, yeah. She would have done yeah. this with you. And then you could have watched her cry through those last two episodes for like the 15th time. <laughs> Cause that's what she would have done. <laughs> and she's seen them 15 times. Uh, it's probably Is not it? quite 15, but it, it's a lot. <laughs> Well, this was only our second watch of those episodes. So, all right. And then finally, we watched, um, I, we watched, I think it's called Olympus Has Fallen is the original movie that came out. And then we just watched London Fallen or London Has Fallen this past weekend. And there's a third one. I don't recall what its name is, but we'll probably end up watching that this coming weekend. You know, it's your typical action uh, intrigue in the White House or in a political environment. And you have a Secret Service guy and it's an action film and it's fun. I mean, we we just we enjoy these. So they've actually done a fair job of developing these characters, believe it or not. Hmm. We watched Olympus Fallen or whatever like it was called. I think we even mm -hmm. saw it in theaters. And, you know, Jen and I, we love a, a good action movie, but, but that one was really, really violent. Oh yeah. And she was like, no, I don't, I don't ever want to see a movie like this again. So not, oh, not wow. that violent. So like, she's not watched John Wick or, or any of the, like. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. she would not like John no, Wick. No, she would hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I loved those films, but she would not like that. <laughs> no, like I watched the the first John Wick a year, year and a half ago, just because it was like I think it was free streaming on YouTube for some reason or something like that. And I'm like, ah, sure, I'll check this mm -hmm. out finally. And I wasn't even really digging it. I'm like, this is just over the top violence for no reason. Like this plot is stupid and it's just super violent. I mean, I don't think the plot is stupid. He's getting revenge. Anyway, <laughs> there's two more of them on my server if you ever want to watch the rest of them. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. All right. Well, what have you been watching? Not much since I got back from uh, from our CES coverage. The only thing that I've actually watched was the college football national championship game Really, really hoping that Alabama would win. They didn't. Georgia played phenomenal. They deserved the win. And of course, it's the great story of the walk on quarterback defeating like the most recruited college quarterback of all time or whatever. Like, it's a great story. Georgia played great. They deserved the win. I'm happy for them, I guess, but still kind of wish Alabama would have won. And the rest was just kind of playing stuff. Obviously, a little bit of Forza Horizon 5, a little bit of NHL. And then my my trip home uh, did not go as planned. I'm sure lots of people who tried flying anywhere over the last few weeks has had lots of problems. My flight was delayed and delayed and delayed. So I spent way more time in an airport than I had expected. And in an airport with not great cell service and 
Wi-Fi that's only free for an hour. And was like, well, I'm not really going to try and mess around with all of that then. I've got my Switch. I've got my iPad. Played some more Astral Chain. It's a cool, cool. game. Uh, played that on my Switch. And then pulled out my iPad and got back to Fantasian or Fantasian. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, which I've talked about before on the show months ago. Months ago. It's it's a really great Japanese role-playing game by Mistwalker. Uh, basically, I played that the whole flight home, which is two hours plus a fair amount of time in the airport. It's a really good game. It's a really good game. I need to just sit down on my couch and finish it at some point on my, on my iPad because it's good. Uh, other than that, not much. We'll see if, uh, you know, now I feel like my life is finally starting to get back to normal. And uh, my daughter reminded me that the show All American which is a show that I've talked about in the past. We had watched the first two seasons together on Netflix. Season three has been on Netflix for a few months and we have not watched it. So uh, maybe by this weekend, I'll get back into watching that with her. So, but that's it for me for right now. So that's it for all of our stuff this week. If you want to get a hold of us, there's a bunch of ways you can do that. We're on Twitter, Richard's at Richard Gunther. I'm at Josh Pollard. The website's at DigiMediaZone. We have all of that information and all of the rest of our contact information over at the website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com, where you can get the show notes, which has links to all of the stories that we talked about tonight. It's also the home of a podcast called Home On that you may or may not be familiar with. Richard, any anything to talk about with Home On? Yeah, so my life is not getting back to normal yet. And this week, uh, you and I talked about this actually as we were kind of, you know, looking ahead at the the year coming for the DMZ. And I have talked about this a little bit on the Smart Home show and went into a lot more depth on the end of year wrap up on the ritual misery podcast, but I just, I had to pull back from home on because of everything that was going on from a lot of podcasting. Actually, the smart home show hasn't been out as much. We haven't been doing this as much. I haven't been on as much. And a lot of it is because of real estate transactions. A lot of it has to do with buying the second home, getting that set up as a rental. Now buying a new home again. We just refinanced. That is involved. And it's just been an insane year for me. So I have a goal and and a a schedule to bring home on back in March. It will have been on a one-year hiatus as of March, but I do intend to bring it back. It may take a slightly different form. It may end up being a little bit different than home on as we've known it, but I want to make sure that we do well by what people expect from that show, as well as create a sustainable format that we, I can make sure I'm able to publish on a regular schedule. So it is coming back. It hasn't pod faded, although it sure seems like it. And uh, I thank everybody for their patience. That's that's really great news. Can't I I mean as Homon's biggest fan, I can't wait to listen to the next episode. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we also do this show live typically Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern over on Twitch. That's where the live chat is that we've talked about a few times during this episode. You can go over to Twitch and subscribe to us there so you'll get notifications or follow us on Twitter and we tweet about when the show will be. Obviously, it's not always on on Tuesday nights because today is a Wednesday. That happens pretty frequently. So you'll want to just follow us to know when that's going to happen. Also, I'm trying to do a better job of getting these video. Like if we're recording video, we might as well put them somewhere. So I'm trying to do a better job of getting them up on YouTube. So do us a favor, head on over to YouTube and subscribe to the channel there too. And, and share that with your friends. A lot of people like watching these types of things on YouTube instead of just in audio format. So we've got it for you in both cases. So head on over to the Digital Media Zone channel on YouTube for that. And that's going to do it for episode 576. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye. Google Home speakers being impacted by a lawsuit filed by Sonos that's kind of wrapping up finally. The U.S. International Trade Commission ruled that Google was infringing on some of Sonos's patents. And so Google has... Oh, my gosh. <laughs>